Hello, and welcome survivors to the Identity of Health podcast. I am the host and founder of Identity of Health, Matt Rowe. During my journey of controlling and reversing my symptoms of MS, I was inspired to meet others who have decided to control and heal disease using unconventional means. During every episode, we are going to hear inspiring stories from those that have gone on to live incredible lives after they have been diagnosed with the disease because they made the choice to survive and thrive and give themselves permission to heal. Today's show is brought to you by Organic Farmers Everywhere and the healthy soils they grow their foods in. It is also brought to you by the book, Identity of Health, Mastering the Mindset to Heal by Matt Rowe. Follow Identity of Health on Facebook, Instagram, and go to my website, identityofhealth.com, and follow my newsletter where I will be your guide on your journey to a healthier life. Now, on to the show. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing Michelle Mraz, and she is helping people break from their inner critic and believes that everyone is a beautiful light, and she is the light switch that turns you back on. I met Michelle about a month ago, and this is all through a mutual friend, and was inspired by her story. And Michelle has gone on to write two books, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, A Glimpse into a Life Well-Lived. And this book came after she was on the TED stage and regarding this beautiful concept of living a well-lived life. And then it went on to writing a second book, It's Not Luck, Overcoming You. Thank you, Michelle, for being on the show today. I'm so blessed to have you here. Thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. So you have an incredible story. So when we first got together and talked, and when, ironically, you interviewed me for some of my stuff. And so if you do get a chance, I highly recommend follow Michelle. Michelle Michelle Mraz is on, is it SoundCloud, Michelle? I'm on SoundCloud, yes. Soon to be on every podcast thing I can find. Beautiful. So she's going to be podcasting all around, but her show is, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend listening to it. So definitely do that. So Michelle, you have an incredible story. Would you tell the audience about your healing journey and what happened to you? Wow. It's a long story, (laughs) but I'll I'll try to make it short and succinct. (laughs) We got time. Well, I had a life and a career. I have a couple of degrees behind me, and I was, you know, the nine to five, you've got to be moving and making, clawing up the top of the corporate ladder, basically. And in 2015, mm-hmm. I think it was 2015, I was hit by a car. So basically, my car was T-boned by another car. My engine fell out, and I thought I was fine, okay? Mm-hmm. Thought I was fine. Mm -hmm. And what happened was 12 days later, I started speaking complete gibberish. And then I just stopped talking altogether. For nine months, I didn't speak. And so the doctors and all the 
neurologists, they were all trying to figure out what in the world's going on with you because you didn't have, I didn't have brain bleed. I didn't have a crack in my head, but my brain stopped working. And so they would test me in the morning when I was able to speak to try to figure out what was going on with me and what they found out. Well, they didn't find that out yet. Mate, let me, let me back up. Yeah. I started speaking <clears throat> and I don't know if you want to hear how I started speaking because it's pretty miraculous and it, it, it's hard to believe, but I believe in the universe. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. And that there are things that we don't quite understand. Mm -hmm. And to this point in my life, I had been running away from religion, God, anything organized. And when I lost my ability to speak, I was fully cognizant in my head, but I couldn't write. I couldn't speak and I couldn't even pantomime. I mean, I couldn't do anything. My hands would not do with my brain knew what to do. And what we, one day I was sitting in my living room and I was screaming up at the universe in my head. Mm -hmm. If you're going to take everything away from me, then just kill me now. Because I'd rather be dead than trapped the way I am. Every time I stood up, I fall. Every time I closed my eyes, I would fall. And so I was just sitting on the couch playing with sand in the dark. It's all I could do for nine months, Matt, wow. nine months. It was wow. torture. And so I begged the universe to knock me out. I asked God to just take me out. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live this way. And from every pore, every cell, every molecule in the room, my entire house, I heard a voice say, you're not dead yet, get up. And I jumped up and I stood and I'm standing around looking around like, is there someone else in the house or is this in my head? But whatever it was, I was standing. Wow. When my husband came home that day, he said he found me on the computer. I haven't been able to look at a computer, okay? He said I was online researching how to get my brain back. And when he walked in the door, I said, I need to do something. I need to get my brain back. And he looked at me and said, you're talking. Yeah, like, okay, let's take a step back. You could not walk. You were like falling down and you could not speak. And then you told your husband, I want to get my brain back. I want my brain back. I need, I need help. And he said, Michelle, you're talking. Oh my God. But it happened after I heard that gigantic voice that said, you're not dead. Get up. And I got up and that's when we went back to the doctors and said, okay, something major is happening in my brain. And yep. so the neurologist started doing serious tests on me and they found out that I damaged four areas of my brain. So they're blocked. My frontal lobe right over my left ear behind my head that was messing with my vision. That's why I kept falling. Mm -hmm. And my two hemispheres had disconnected. That's why I wasn't able to write or communicate. So I went from falling over every five minutes. I always had to hold on to someone to stay upright because every time my eyes closed, I'd fall. I have no balance. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, the neurologist said, we don't know why you're talking right now. Um, we don't know how long it's going to last, so you might want to enjoy it while you've got it. So I applied for TEDx. Perfect. I figured if I was going to go, I was going to go big or go home, right? Mm -hmm. So I applied for TEDx and whoo, I got in. 
I got into TEDx and I'm like, okay, well, I have to share this story about living a life of intention because life is too short and we have to live while we can because I was living this great life. And in one second, a car took it all away. I had nothing. I had no memories. I have no, I don't have my education. All of it was gone. I had to reinvent myself. So my message to the world was live for today. You have to you know, have a plan in your life, but be okay with it veering back and forth because as long as you've right. got that end goal, you, you have to learn to eat dessert first. Basically, enjoy mm -hmm. the little things in life because I tell you, when I was stuck in my head, I really missed feeling hugs. I, I missed the wind in my face. I missed the sun. I, I, I missed things I couldn't do. I mean, I just sat there. Yeah. Enjoy dessert first, right? And then the yeah. last thing I wanted, to, I wanted the world to know was the differences between a rut and a grave are the dimensions. It's a quote by Ellen Glasgow, and it's always stuck with me, but I never really lived it until after my car accident. Yeah. Basically, I had that beautiful, really high-powered job that I was really enjoying, but I was doing the exact same thing every day, up, down, coffee, drive, sit at desk, you know, the same thing all the time. And I never veered from it. Right. I was building my own grave. Yeah. And how many of us do that every day? So Today. my encouragement is to step out of your rut. Because if you ever want to move to your goal, you have to do something different to move. Mm -hmm. So even if you're scared, take one step out of your norm. Take a different route, road to work. Anything that will shake up the little bit of consistency you always have. Just make it a little different every day. Well, isn't that how we heal, Michelle? Yes. It's not one big, you know, they don't give you the mega pill. And then they say, take this, everything's going to be fine. Even though they may allude to it, but it's the little habits that you do. Everything counts. Yes. It's not working out. Like, if you know, if you want to start a workout program. It's not go start on CrossFit and become a games competitor. No. Go for a walk. Exactly. The small things change. I mean, some yeah. people are like, I'm going to make a life change. I'm going to cut everything out of my diet now. And then you fail. And you do wonder why I failed. Well, because you shocked your system, okay? Right. So like with well, my, the rest of my story, I'm, I better yeah. go, oh, yeah. go to my next level. We're going after back to my it. TEDx, <laughs> after my TEDx, okay, I wrote a book a month later. Okay. Yeah. And then within six months, I started thinking something was really wrong with me. I could feel it. Something mm -hmm. was wrong. And I kept having nightmares of dying, my chest being ripped open, birds attacking and eating me. I mean, oh, God. really vivid death dreams. And I went to the doctor and I, I, I tell you, don't do this. Okay. <laughs> I went to the doctor and I said, I think I'm dying. And they said, why? I said, yeah. I'm having nightmares of dying. I really think I'm dying. Something's wrong with me. And they said, and here's some Valium. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they want to solve the symptom. They're like, well, this woman's uh, essentially going crazy. Yeah. yeah, they said, you have a brain injury. Maybe your brain right. injury is causing you to have the delusion. So I begged them to do a whole battery of tests on me. And everything came back negative. I was perfectly fine, according to all science. But I right. kept having these dreams. Right. And then I started getting this rash across my chest. And I said, I think it's breast cancer. And they said, no, 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 breast cancer doesn't have a rash. You wouldn't feel it. So the, 
to make me shut up, they had me do a mammogram. Mm -hmm. No lumps. Mm -hmm. Well, this rash got worse. It started eating my whole right breast. It was eating my right breast off. It looked like lava was coming out of me and eating me from the outside. And they kept telling me I had some sort of skin ailment, but it was, it's dry skin. Welcome to Colorado. Oh, but come on. At this point, it was agonizing, okay? And yeah. I, could, I couldn't move my whole right arm. It was just terrible. Well, it took from me complaining from April to October to finally get to a specialist. And when I finally got to the specialist, now here's the thing, and this is another big plug for me that I like to tell people. Mm -hmm. You must be your own strongest advocate. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. Yes. You have to fight. Yeah, fight, research, look, because they told me I was fine. Now, the person who wouldn't let me go to a specialist was telling me, you're fine, you know, keep putting this ointment on, it'll get better, just stop complaining about it. Well, they were leaving town for vacation or something. And yeah. so I, I told her, okay, I'll wait for you. And I took note of the day she was leaving town. And the day she left town, I called her office and said, hey, I'm waiting for my referral to the dermatologist. And they said, oh, we don't have one in record. And I said, well, that's weird. She said she would put me, um, maybe she was busy trying to get out of town. Could you get my referral in, please? So they put the referral in immediately because they thought I was waiting too long. Right. And on October 31st, I got to the dermatologist and the dermatologist said, I don't know what you're doing here. I'm a skin doctor, not a breast doctor. And I said, please, something really is wrong with me. I need someone who might know what they're looking at to see me. Yeah. He walks out the door. My daughter helps me change into the gown. And I can't close the gown because I'm in that much agony. Oh. The doc walks back in. And from maybe six feet away, she says, oh, dear God, you have cancer. And the door shuts behind her. And I start crying. And oh, she says, yeah. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. It's just I was just telling the nurses that we were wasting time with you. Mm -hmm. And she says, but you've been complaining about this for six months. She's, this is pageant's disease. People who get this die within 12 of diagnosis. And I said, Doc, I'm not crying because I have cancer. I know I have cancer. Right. I'm crying for two reasons. One, I didn't complain for two months. I've, been, I've had this for eight months now. The other reason I'm crying is, thank God someone finally believes me. Oh, my Lord. So the next day I saw the surgeon. And she said, okay, let's decide what we're going to do. And I said, cut them off. Yep. I want to live. And she mm -hmm. says, no, I want you to think about this. This is a huge decision. I said, cut them off. Yeah. I'm a 46-year-old woman, okay? I, I don't need these things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Please save me. And then she yeah. says, well, well, do you want to just have one taken off, the infected one or both? And I said, well, what's the chances of it going to my other breast? Yeah. And she says, within 12 months, it'll move to your other breast and it'll probably kill you before we find it. Well, and I said, then why are you giving me a choice of only one? Right. Said, because it's your choice. I need to give you the options. Yeah. And I went, oh, well, thank you. Cut them both off. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up scheduling for the very first appointment we could possibly, possibly get. And that was December 19th mm -hmm. of 2016. Is that right? Yeah. 2016. And well, when you have breast cancer or any cancer, there's a lot of tests they must do before they can cut you open. So in that next 
40 days, we tested me on everything under the sun that they could possibly get, get all the results back. And on December 19th, I had a bilateral mastectomy. Mm -hmm. I came out of that surgery and I was smiling ear to ear. And they're like, do you need no morphine? How are you doing? I said, I'm alive. I feel great. Yeah. And I, basically, it, it helped me realize that, yes, I have a brain injury and I learned those major things about living a, a really intentional life. Mm -hmm. But getting breast cancer and given months to live helped me realize another aspect of life. Mm -hmm. You have to embrace your inner toddler. If you don't laugh at things and just enjoy the moment, you're also not living. Because if I went into panic, I'm dying mode, as soon as I found out I really had cancer, mm -hmm. those three months of life that they were giving me mm -hmm. would have been wasted sitting in the dark. Yep. And what I told the surgeon when she said, okay, we're going to cut this off, I said, fantastic. And she says, you're doing okay with this cancer I, uh, thought, uh, with this cancer prognosis? And I said, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about all the women I'm going to help. Think of all the people I can help in the next three months. If this is not successful, mm -hmm. I'm going to change the world in three months. And in those three months of I'm supposed to die, <laughs> yeah. I wrote my other book. That's what I wrote. It's not luck overcoming you. No. It, it was me walking through my cancer journey. So it's not my cancer journey. It's just all those inner critic voices that say, see, you're supposed to die. Yeah, you're not good enough. Why do you right. think you can make a difference? Those are the things that I was helping people walk through because I figured if I'm dying, I better leave something from what I'm learning from this dying experience. Yeah. And now it's 2019 and I'm still alive. So it kind of messes up the whole bucket list thing because I've done everything I wanted to do. Well, you just got to make a new bucket list now. Exactly. Well, now right. everything's a bucket list. Now stopping and smiling and talking to children on the side of the road and mm -hmm. smiling at everybody is my bucket list. Yes. I live every day like it's my last. I will never, ever again in my life allow myself to be in a situation where I think, oh my God, the last thing I said to my daughters were, or to my son was, or the last thing I said to my husband and I'm going to die is, no. The last thing that ever comes out of my mouth is nothing but love to everyone I talk to. Yeah. Everyone knows that I care about them mm -hmm. because if I drop dead as I walk out this door, mm -hmm. there will be no question on if I loved you, if I cared, or if I wanted everyone to live a life of love and intention. How beautiful is that? I've, I've heard Zen philosophers, I've, I've talked to multiple people that have a perspective like yours and they said a life well lived and they use their own words but a life well lived is one that you could die right now and you are content you are happy and everyone around you knows how much you loved yourself and them and that's where you look at life is it's love. I mean, if you go to the universe, if you believe in God, spirit, or whatever you believe in, the word associated to this higher power that is, a, that is the master of all of this is love. And it's a love 10,000 times above anything we can imagine. So guess what you think she wants? She <laughs> wants love.
and she wants you to love yourself and love others and it's just all of that and so when your story is amazing for one and just beautiful on another because at some point the universe is like michelle you have a beautiful gift you can speak like no other and what i need you to do is i need you to inspire all of these women and And men and men that may be going through something drastic and I don't want to give them this horrible or like a car accident and um, patches disease and all of this stuff. But Michelle, you're going to become my microphone. Yes. to help all of these people. And I love that you leaned into it. So was there, what was your mindset at this time? So was it truly just living in the moment of now and in that grace of love? It happened really quickly. I, I, I didn't have a fear of death. I just thought it might happen. So I didn't slow down. It was, I must get this message out now. And there's this, there was a Zen feeling that came about me. I was very comfortable with the concept of dying within three months. I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I made sure that everyone knew I was okay with it and that I loved them. And that I would always be there for them, no matter what. Even when I disappear, I'm going to be there. You know why? Because I left two books for you guys to follow. Yeah. And I really think that they were stories and and concepts that were brought to me. Mm -hmm. It it was brought through me. Because Mm -hmm. I'm missing four pieces of my brain. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) people like me, we're lucky if we can brush our teeth. But here I am speaking to the world. It doesn't sound like you lost four pieces of your brain, Michelle. It rewired. It does. We can heal ourselves. I mean, that there's a story, if you ever, Netflix documentary has a documentary and it's called Heal. And they tell a story of a gentleman that was hit by a car while he was on his bicycle and crushed his vertebrae and he was paralyzed. And over a five-month period, he meditated and, and really looked at visualizing those pieces being brought back together and he walked out of the hospital. Matt, we talked about this in the interview you had with me on Conversations with Michelle because I truly believe I healed myself. You did. I I found a mentor. His name was Dr. Paul Sheely of Sheely Learning. Mm -hmm. He helped me learn to meditate and then he helped me learn to visualize like scrubbers coming through my body basically, and cleaning things out. And so my meditation, I would bring this light through my body and it would be cleaning things out. So when they got to my actual surgery and cut the, all my breast tissue out, so they scraped from my back of my sides and all the way across, I have no feeling in my torso. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find anything in the pathology. Amen. I, I believe that mm-hmm. changing what I ate changing my mindset, learning to meditate and visualize all that darkness coming out of me, mm-hmm. cleaned me. I truly believe that when I went, and, and not necessarily organic, because I, I had to, I inched my way through things, but I pulled mm-hmm. things like dairy out of my diet. I pulled okay. all sugar out of my diet in whatever form it was. And then I took anything that was with a label, I stopped eating it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I put in, uh, what did I do? I, I bought a Kagan, Kagan machine, like a tight, it, uh, ionized water. Yeah. So I, I started drinking pH water that was at nine. 
nine and a half actually. And I drank that through the whole cancer and they couldn't find anything. Right. And they said, okay, well, that was weird. 0.001% of people with this, um, we never find the source. They never found my source of cancer. Patchen's disease is an outward manifestation of cancer. That means it's in me and they never found it. Yep, because you healed it. And you healed it because you knew you could. And what I love is, is that vision of being that knowing that you can and being that survivor, like in that joy and that love led you to taking a small step towards adjusting your diet and removing dairy out of it. And it's not that you gave anything up. You just made the choice. You're just like, I don't want to do, I don't want that anymore. Well, and actually what started happening is I was pulling things out of my diet. Um, it was more of a, I could feel it. I would feel better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, when I think when I took dairy out the first time, it was because I kept feeling bloated. And when I took it out, I wasn't bloated. When I put it back in, I was bloated again. So I took it out and left it out. (laughs) And so it was basically this give and take as I was trying to find things that made me feel better versus the things that made me feel worse. And if you watch me, if you go to my website, michellemoross.com, Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's M R A S, Mr. As, Michelle, Mr. As.com. <laughs> you see my TED talk? I'm like 389 pounds in that picture. I am more than half the person, less than half, more than half the person that I was. Watch yeah. my TED talk. I'm 389. And okay, so before we started talking for this uh, interview here, we were talking about your TED talk a little bit and I loved how you said, and in that moment, you were, you had just been hit by the car. You're starting to speak again. You want to repair your brain. And so you signed up for TED and you're on the TED stage and they put you at the end to be the hook, like the, the standing ovation for everybody that was there. They wanted me to bring it home and bring it big. Cause I speak very inspirationally. And so yeah. they wanted me to bring everybody up on a high note because a lot of TED Talks kind of can bring you down. And so mm-hmm. she said, I want you to bring that room back up. And I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what's really funny about it is, remember at that point, we didn't know I had a traumatic brain injury. We yeah. thought I had a light concussion. <laughs> so I don't remember speaking on that stage at all. I watched the video to find out what I said. Because it wasn't you speaking on that stage. I don't think it was. It was, yeah, and I, you can't explain it, but how do you go through? Down to the end, at the end of your talk, you sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. In front of everyone. And it just it inspired an audience that just made them feel so happy and so they, they were all standing and singing with me is what my husband said. Yeah. I couldn't see because of lights from the stage. I couldn't see off the stage, but my husband said everyone was standing and they were all singing with me. Oh my God. That, that like, I'm getting chills, like, because you're looking at a moment that you have four areas of your brain that are damaged. And now you stand up on a TED stage and give an inspirational talk and have everybody at the end singing with you. Do you think you're in the right path now? 
I know I'm inspired. on the right path. Well, I've traveled the world as a speaker because of this. Yeah. I, I literally, I live by not my frontal lobe, okay? I don't have one. I don't live in this. I trust the wind, basically. I get doors open and I walk through them. I mean, I yeah. promise that you keep me op opening doors. I will keep walking and I will do whatever you want me to do because apparently the universe, God, whatever you call that, left my ability to communicate and connect for a reason. And I believe that I am brought to different places because certain people are supposed to hear me at a certain time. And I am just a megaphone for something else. I love that you got out of your own way. Yeah. That, that prefrontal cortex that we have where that logic side of the brain comes in and you find that 70 to 80% of your thoughts every day are negative. And so when you're going out there to speak, oh, why would anybody want to listen to me? This I don't think that. <laughs> and I love it. And this is the beautiful part because it keeps us from taking action of what we're supposed to do. I can talk myself into anything and I can talk myself out of anything. Mm -hmm. And so if I think I can, yeah, I'll lean that way or I'll take a little bit of an action. What happens if I just look at everything put in front of me as just given to me by the universe and I'm just there to do beautiful work. Well, Matt, that's why I say embrace your toddler mindset. That was that last key that I learned through this breast cancer. Yeah. If we, I learned that from the work of Byron Katie. Mm -hmm. If we would all embrace that toddler mindset and live our lives so full and not worried about what everybody else thinks, think of all the magical, wonderful things we could do. What stops us is that adult brain that says, wait, people are gonna look at you funny, or oh, someone's gonna look at you, laugh at you. Yeah. Calder doesn't give any cares for what someone thinks or sees. They oh. don't judge anyone, they'll play with anyone. If they have a goal that's way out of reach or a cookie way out of reach, they'll get it. <laughs> and if we embrace our cookie, embrace that child in us and mm -hmm. get that cookie goal, mm -hmm. we can do anything and we wouldn't have any fear. You've seen toddlers. They'll climb to the top of anything. They'll be balanced on one foot. They can't even walk yet. And they're, and they're balancing on something. Adults, we can walk and we have balance and we still are afraid. Yep. If we embraced our toddler inside of us, we could accomplish so much more in life and we wouldn't worry what other people think. We would just do it. Yeah. And you would do just beautiful, inspiring, life-giving work because we're all here for a reason. Yes. And all these challenges that come upon us, getting hit by a car, not having four areas of your brain function right, breast cancer, all of it is just an area to teach you a lesson or to yes. get you on the path. And so when I've talked to multiple people, I view my diagnosis for what I received as the greatest gift I have ever received. I agree. Because it woke me up. Mm-hmm. And I stopped the little voice in my head. I'm like, no. I'm like, because if I end up in a wheelchair next week and I can't help somebody else because I'm, you know, in my little victim circle of, oh, woe is me, who am I helping by being, by holding myself back? Exactly. And, and that's why I said, yes, bad things happen, but what did it teach you? 
I mean, I thought everything that's happened to me, if you look at it from the outside, you ooh, gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. But then when you look at it from the inside of what I experienced, I do think of another chunk that I had fall off of that shell. I am waking up to who I'm supposed to be. And my job in this world is to turn on the light so that everyone else remembers who they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We need to wake up. And mm-hmm. from people like us who've experienced really painful, horrible things, you're supposed to learn from us so you don't have to experience the big and terrible, horrible things. Right. It's our, our, our plight in life to have suffered mm-hmm. this, to share it so you don't have to. Right. Be the best version of you. Absolutely, because we are all enough. Yes. We are all good enough, smart enough, strong enough. Whatever negative label you put onto it, no. You are enough to do anything you want and do anything in this world. It's just you have to believe you can. You have to believe, and and it's okay if you fall. Learn from the fall and get back up. Or as my um, my mentor... John Maxwell says, fail mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Just don't fall backwards. Fail forward. <laughs> yeah, just, keep, just keep moving. And, and so, the other person I keep thinking of is, was that Hopkins? Uh, he, the, the smartest man in the world. He's trapped inside of his body. He's in a wheelchair. He can't talk, but he was still yeah, giving back to the world. Stephen yeah. Hawkins. Yeah. So really, everything about the outside of you when you say, oh, I'm this, or I don't look good, or I don't look right mm-hmm. in these clothes, it's a shell, people. We are so beyond the outside of our bodies. We are the essence inside of us. Our brains are phenomenal. And for those people you think, oh, well, they've got a mental disability. No. They have something else in them that is far higher than us. Mm-hmm. If you see a group of kids with Down syndrome, they are walking love. Oh, it, it's, I love it. They yeah. are. Mm-hmm. They have this childlike look at love and life and people, and you just watch them. And you think, "Oh my gosh, this is how we're supposed to be living!" Right. Full joy. That is not a deficit. That is a gift. It is. It's tr- yeah. I I love that you said. It. I want to add something, but I can't because you said it so beautifully. <laughs> it is a gift, and it is. I mean, my I did work with autistic children, and I did work with children with Down syndrome, and. I never felt so joyful when I was <laughs> home on those days. Like it was just because you just witnessed, experienced, felt, and lived in their joy. Yeah. That has no bounds. Joy and full empathy. When they, they oh, and they hug you, they yeah. mean, oh, and they're right. hugging you. Not, they're not, there's no subcon, no subcontents, you know, they're, yeah. they're there. So we have the opportunity, anybody listening to this now has the opportunity to live like that right now. You just got to choose, how am I going to show up in the moment of now? How do I want to be? Do I want to be joyful or do I want to be stressed out and angry? And, you know, something I found, I kind of like being joyful, laugh, and, you know, joke about stuff because that brings me joy. Yes. When I don't judge people, then I'm just living in now and experiencing every moment that I can. And the worries kind of just bleed away. And you could go and justify with me that, oh, Matt, you should worry about this and you should worry about this. You know what? I never got anything from worrying. No. I brought more stress, pain, 
in agony and sleepless nights, and I could go down that road, or if I just trusted and gave joy, it worked. Exactly. I needed to trust. So, Michelle, what are you aiming for now? It's your beautiful gift that you have. What are you aiming for now? What do you want to do? I want to talk show. I need to reach more people. So I am after really becoming another Oprah, Ellen, Cara Burnett mixed. I like to break out in song because it's a very joyful thing for me. I like to dance and I really love to think deep thoughts. So I'm a little bit of all three. And I, I see myself on stage sharing stories of ordinary people with beautiful lives yeah. And how everybody, no matter what we do or who we are in the world, we have a gift and that we are all special. And I like to highlight that in the world. Right. And look at that message with the doom and gloom of the world today and has been for the last 50 years to have that inspiring gift and to share that inspiring message of just what we would classify as normal people. We're all not normal. We're exactly. all incredible. We're all awesome. And so to share that with the world, I, I love it. Um, I will be in the audience because I'll be singing your praises and singing. You're going to be on the stage. <laughs> if I have that gift, I am a huge fan of Michelle. And I hope you become one as well because everything she does is beautiful. It's, Thank you. it's inspirational. It's, that's why I wanted you on the show. And I'm so glad you graced us today. Thank you, ma'am. Just everything that you do. So there's one question I ask every once in a while from my, from my guests. What is something you believe in, yet no one believes you? No one believes me? No one, but you believe in it to the core of who you are. But when you share this out there, no one believes you. I can't say no one because I've met people like you who do believe me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's change it to some of the people you come around. They just don't believe you or give you that look like, are you kidding me, Michelle? When I say that I do believe that everyone is love, that we are all this beautiful light and that mm -hmm. we are all flawless, yes. I get a lot of pushback because I think we are flawless in our flaws. Mm -hmm. Our flaws are our gifts, so therefore they are not flaws. And when I say that in my mastermind groups, people do, how can my flaw be my, my gift? Okay, growing up as a child, I always thought I was a loudmouth talker, okay? <laughs> and I always tried to make myself shut up. I mean, I would try. And now my gift is my voice. Mm -hmm. Your thing that you beat yourself up for the most is your gift. That's what people don't believe me in. But after they finish my mastermind, they believe me because I help them remember who they really are. I turn on the light. You turned on their light. Mm -hmm. Oh, Michelle, I would love to talk to you for another couple of hours and just <laughs> feel like just this great. So I hope everybody that's listening feels as good as I do right now. So if you want to know more about the work Michelle Mraz, visit her Facebook page, Michelle Mraz. And you can go to her website, Michelle Mraz, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-R-A-S, Mr. S. So 
and definitely go see her, follow her on Facebook, follow her on Instagram. It's all the same. I love how Michelle does that. She just does consistent. Oh, and YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe to her YouTube. Follow her because I know you will be inspired, inspired by everything she does. So thank you, Michelle, for being on the show today and taking your time and inspiring our listeners to think differently about ourselves and how awesome each one of us are. Yes. Thank you, Matt. Thank you all for listening today, and I hope you left inspired. This show is made possible by great sponsors and followers like you. And if you want to know how to become a sponsor, please visit the contact page at identityofhealth.com. And while you are there, sign up for our newsletter and pre-order your copy of Identity of Health. Now, all pre-orders receive a personally signed copy by me, Matt Rowe. Remember, you are good enough to heal anything, and I hope you give yourself permission to heal.